he called people forward who've been uh, ill or, or, or had a condition for a long time uh, to be prayed for. <clears throat> My wife, Kirsty, went forward. She has uh, something called scoliosis, which is like a curvature of the spine. And, uh, and she's, she's uh, prayed for that quite a few times to be healed. And it's a work in progress, right? And she went forward. This story is not about her. It's about me. <laughs> and, and I'm standing there and I asked her, I said, what are you going up for? She said, I'm going up for my back. I said, great. And as she went forward, they prayed for this pastor leader. And I'm like, oh. There was something about the fact that they'd been prayed for that I kind of felt like maybe, maybe something's going to shift in this atmosphere. Maybe something's going to change. And I started thinking about, wow, what if Kirsty's back was healed? And then I started imagining, you know, and I felt bad because I was like, oh, does that mean I haven't had faith before? You know, I started thinking, imagine if I could tell my family who aren't believers, oh, Kirsty had scoliosis and, then, and, and it was healed. <laughs> Just flippantly, because God's awesome. And I started thinking about exactly what it would be like. And I started to cry. Has anybody ever cried in the presence of God? It, can I see, has any men cried in the presence of God? Thank you. Okay, I, I'm going to make a statement. I think it takes a real man to cry in the presence of God. I'm just saying that to uh, boost my own ego. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, the tears, they run. What are you supposed to do with the tears? They get all in your beard. And then... And you're like, I mean, women carry handbags with tissues and all I've got is my sleeve. So you're, oh, I love you, Lord. <laughs> like, and, then and then your sleeve's all wet. What am I supposed to do? But I was so moved by the Holy Spirit in that moment. I'm not a crier. I'm not a, I'm not a weeper. That's got to be the first time that's happened to me like that. But I'm weeping because I'm starting to think, imagine if my wife was healed. And I was struck by this thought. I'm crying because then I would know and really feel like God loves us. Crap. I thought, crap. Ah, oh, man. Don't I know that you love me, God? I've been doing this for years and years and years. Do you know that God loves you? Maybe you know it like I know it. It's like a theoretical thing. And then all of a sudden you imagine what it would be like if God were to intervene in your life. And you think, oh, then I would really know. And then you think, oh, gosh, do I need a healing to know that God loves me? And in that moment, I realized I'm disconnected from the Father. I thought I was good, but I'm disconnected. And I was so angry with myself because I've heard messages about this before. I've heard of a, a, a pastor who was going to 5 a.m. prayer meetings for weeks every day. And then God spoke to her heart and said, I want your love back. And she said, oh, I thought you had it because I've been going to these prayer meetings. But I realized I was disconnected from the Father. What a terrible feeling. Do you ever feel like that, where you get so bogged down in all the details and the, and the things that you have to do, you get so busy that all of a sudden you look around and you think, gosh, how did I get here? I don't know if I actually, when's the last time that I just spent time in the Lord's presence? When's the last time that I just sought his face and I wasn't trying to say, God, I need help with this issue or God, I want you to speak to me about this specific situation where you just said, God, I just... I love you. I just want to spend time with you. When's the last time that happened? I think for all of us, we lack love in our life. All those things, all those feelings that I mentioned, stress and being lonely and alone, lost, misunderstood, ugly, stupid, worthless. These are all the things that we feel when the main thing in our life is knocked off the top of the post. Because in the moment, you're focused on something different. Your focus is diverted from where it should be onto whatever's happening in the immediate. Mar married couples understand this. Is anyone married in the house? Got some. Very good. I think we've got some married couples who didn't put their hand up. Maybe they're like, 
wishing they weren't or something. <laughs> Married couples understand this because you love your spouse, right? You love them. Uh, and sometimes you love them in feeling and sometimes you love them in theory. <laughs> Some days you're going through marriage and you realize, uh, <clears throat> I don't feel it right now. You get so busy with all the stuff that you realize, I've got a housemate. And uh, we don't talk to each other that often, and, and uh, they're good for a housemate, but I don't know if I'd pick them if I was going to a share house. Too distracting. Too good looking. Yeah, actually, actually, to be honest, if I was going to a share house, you'd be the first person that I'd pick. <laughs> You're the best housemate ever. So you get bogged down, you don't, and, and you realize, oh gosh, I, I've lost it. We've lost it. We've got to do something to get ourselves back on course. The parents, I think, understand this because you love your kids. Hands up if you're a parent and you love your kids. Okay, but there are times, right, when you don't love them. You feel it's mostly when you're trying to go out somewhere and you're running late and you're trying to get everybody ready. And then you walk past the room. This happened to my parents. And uh, they'd look in the room and be like, what? Are you getting ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready. Half an hour later, you come past, still the same thing. Just get yourself ready to go. We're leaving the house. So you get stressed. In my family, my dad uh, read a book on parenting, on fatherhood, before he had us. And he has a mantra which he lives by. And he's passed it on to us many times. He says, boys, I learned early on and this is true, it's, good. it's a good mantra. If you, if you want to raise boys and you want to be a good father to them, the first and most important thing you need to do is to love their mother. Because by loving their mother, you'll teach them to respect her and to, uh, to honour women and to love women. You, you'll teach them by example how to love a woman. <laughs> that is true. And he did a pretty good job of that. But I would like to say this, that my mum is notoriously late and when we were going out places, it always ended up the same thing. All of us would be in the car except for my mum. The car is running, everything's ready to go, mum's still back in the house. And this is what my dad would say, ah, where is that bloody woman? <laughs> Every time without fail. You see... You can love somebody, but in the moment, the love is gone. There's no love there when it's, where is that bloody woman? If you're a student, you understand this. Because you might love what you study. I certainly did. I love filmmaking. I love, I went to Flinders University. I studied filmmaking. I love the, like, I just love the storytelling and how do you craft all the pieces to tell a story, to, to move someone emotionally. I love coordinating all the people. Students in the house, when it's 2.30 in the morning and you're writing an essay and it was due three days ago and you're losing marks every day, can you give, give me an amen if there is no love left? <laughs> there is no love left at 2.30 in the morning. Why am I doing this course? I hate this course. I hate everything. I hate my life. I just want to go to bed, but I have to do my study. In the moment, the love is lost. Why? Because the love, the, the, what's actually important, the big picture is knocked off the top of the post, off the priority list, and all you've got to think about is this assignment right now, and I'm flipping tired. Listen to me. God has priorities. When we align our lives with His priorities, we keep our eyes fixed on what is good, and our lives will be filled with all good things. When our focus is shifted off God's priorities, feelings that we never wanted to feel, they take the front seat and they fill the place where love once was. Does anybody here want their life to be filled with love? I want my life to be filled with love. Would anybody like to be able to, in that moment of fear or worry or loneliness, be able to stop, look to God, and be filled again with love. Remember, why am I here? Remember the first love. Let's look at the scripture today. 
Let's discover what God says. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, the first verse, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So he's talking about priorities. Here is a man who's in the in crowd with religious people. Does anyone know any people in the in crowd with religious people? <laughs> you are it. You're in the in crowd. And when we look at the other translations, uh, we discover that he's a Pharisee, so he's a religious leader, and he's a scribe. The scribes had determined that Jews were obligated to obey 613 rules in the law. Uh, 365 of them were negative rules, and 248 were positive rules. So there's more negative than positive, and that's a lot of rules to follow. Can anyone memorize 613 things? How are you supposed to not do them if you don't know what they are? So this guy's dedicated his life to writing about them, copying them, figuring out what they mean, translating them, and getting right down into the details. And one of their favorite exercises, the scribes, was discussing which of these divine commandments was the greatest. They were interested in priorities. If we've got 613 rules, we're going to figure out which one's the most important one so that we don't have to worry about memorizing the last 500. We can do top 100 and figure out what's at number one and then tell people that. When we look in Matthew's version of this story, we discover the scribe's motive when he comes to Jesus. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. I'm not just, it's not just random uh, background. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 35 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, that's our scribe, tried to trap him with this question. So Mark's gospel gives him a bit of credit, but Matthew's saying he's come to trap Jesus. So he, he's not coming with a good motive. He's come to trick Jesus into saying something wrong. He wants him to say the wrong commandment is the greatest. Maybe your relationship with God is all about the rules, like the scribes was. Maybe your priorities are out of order. Maybe you're focused on the wrong things. Maybe you're hanging around with a group of people who are far from God, and because you look at the people around you and figure, well, they're not doing any better than I am, it's fine that I'm not doing better than they are. God calls you to hire. Go to the next verse, verse 29 in Mark 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Pay attention, that's going to come back later. Suspense building. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Okay. Jesus is asked, what's your favorite commandment? What's the greatest? Did you notice that he just gave two? But if I was, the, if I was a scribe, I'd be like, what's number one, though? What's most important? So that's significant. If I was going to ask you, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And you said, my favorite flavor of ice cream is hazelnut and chocolate. I'd say, well, that's two, isn't it? And then I'd say, no. Your favorite flavor of ice cream is Nutella. Chocolate and hazelnut combined makes Nutella, right? So you've got two favorite flavors, which are combined to make one great flavor. Can I say, I think Nutella is better than chocolate and hazelnut on their own, but you need one to make the other. So what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus' ultimate commandment is not one or the other. His ultimate commandment is love. Loving God and loving your neighbor are intrinsically linked with one another. Jesus is trying to make Nutella out of the two greatest commandments to make one great flavor of a commandment. Does anybody love Nutella? How good is that? I eat it with a spoon. That's bad, isn't it? I just feel like, why ruin the flavor with bread? 
I just, you know, but I, just a warning, if you're in a tellerita with a spoon, uh, you can get to a place, it's a bad place. Uh, at the bottom of the jar, it actually starts to burn your tongue because it's so sweet. So uh, beware. That's, I learned that from experience. So Jesus answers two commandments, uh, two answers to his number one commandment. And that's significant because have you ever tried fulfilling one without the other? Have you ever tried to love people without loving God? Because trying to love people without loving God is very tiring. Because you've got no fuel. You've got no love coming into you. So you're just putting out all the time. Trying to love God without loving people is false. If you say, I love God, God, I love you so much, and then you don't love your neighbor, your love of God is false. Because if you truly love God, then love to people will flow out. When you love God, you will love your neighbor. When you love your neighbor, you'll find that you love yourself. Why? Because if I come and give Anne a hug when she really needs a hug, uh, did you need that? No, nah, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> no, so thank you for going along. If I come and give Anne a hug when she really needs a hug, then I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. It's okay to love yourself. You feel better about yourself when you love your neighbor. Hence why the order is important here. If you love yourself first, then what is there to love? You're selfish. You love yourself first, and then others tend to be irritating because they don't live up to your great standards. And then you love God, but you're too concerned with yourself to concern yourself with God. Okay, Brendan said, Brendan, you said that this message was going to help me feel love in my life, but all you're talking about is loving God and loving your neighbor. Here's the message to feel love, turn to the person next to you and say, to feel love. Love has to flow out of you. If you think that to feel love, you just need to receive more love, then your perspective is you think that supply is the problem. You're short on love supply. God already loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. So supply is not the problem. It's the reception that's the problem. Maybe you need to tune your antenna to receive and to feel the love of Christ. Okay, let's move on. Verse 32, the teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt sacrifices and sacrifices required in the law. So when the scribe hears Jesus' answer in front of everybody, he says, well said. But here's a guy whose mission at the beginning was to go and trap Jesus. So he's got a gaggle of guys who are saying, let's go and trap Jesus. And by the end of it, he's heard the truth. He's had an encounter with Jesus. And now in front of all of them, he's saying, well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth. This guy's heart has been moved. He's been shifted. He's had an encounter with Jesus. Here's a guy, as we said at the beginning, that spends his life in the detail. If you spend your life in the detail, you get easily stressed out. What you need is an encounter with Jesus. Because here, this guy's heart is shifted. Jesus speaks to his heart and he begins to have a deeper spiritual understanding of the faith that he thought he once understood. He sees that even the Old Testament is filled with God's love, commandments for God's love. When you take time to love God, you can experience his love in return. Okay. Last verse. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Would anybody like Jesus to say to you, you are not far from the kingdom of God? There's great security in that. But what does that mean, you are not far from the kingdom of God? It means that you are facing truth honestly, and you're not interested in defending a party line or your personal prejudices. It means that you test your faith by what the Word of God says and not by what some religious group demands. People close to the kingdom have the courage to stand up for what is true, even if they lose friends and make some new enemies. So the question this morning is, are you willing to make the same move as the scribe? When you hear the truth of Jesus, are you willing to make the same move? To see truth and to ask yourself, am I lining up with the Word of God? Does my life line up with the Word of God? I'm going to finish my message, <coughs> at least the expositional part, uh, with, with what's got to be one of the most profound points that you've ever heard in a sermon. So can you just lean in for a moment and get ready for... This is... What, can you turn to the person next to you and just encourage, say, get ready for the most profound point you've ever heard in a sermon? Okay. I joke, but seriously. If you were, no, if you were paying close attention, you would have noticed that Jesus said, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Did anybody notice that? Then the scribe says, Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So the scribe misses out mind, right? And that's because if you go back to the original quote, where it's quoted from in Deuteronomy, mind is absent. Maybe this guy is so up here in his mind... Jesus is wanting to tell him, hey, you've got to love him with your mind as well. In Matthew, if you go to Matthew though, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. But he misses out strength. So in Matthew, he's not saying strength. It's Mark, he's adding mind. In Matthew, he's replacing strength with mind. So we've got to figure out what's going on here. So if you... And the scribe, just remember, the scribe has studied all this stuff. So the scribe could have pulled him up on it, but he didn't, right? Why did the scribe not pull him up on it? That's because if you look at the original meaning of all the words in the Greek language, and then you cross-reference them with the Hebrew, and then translate it back into the Greek, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't bloody matter. <laughs> We could spend so much time, and this is the revelation that I had, as I was, because I noticed that, and I was trying to figure it out. We can spend so much time trying to figure out the hidden message in this page that we miss the message that is hidden in plain view. What is the message that's hidden in plain view? He's basically saying, love God with everything that you've got. Mind, strength, understanding, will, soul, thoughts, emotions, whatever you've got, use that to love God. That's the main point. We could be like the scribe, figuring out the exact meaning of all the words. Here's the real question. Do you, in your life, Love God with everything that you have because that is the greatest commandment along with do you love your neighbor as yourself? That's the, real, that's the real point, right? Love God with everything. Love your neighbor with everything. So I'm going to ask you those questions right now. Why don't you close your eyes as you just consider this. At the core of your soul, do you love God? Do you love God with all of your feelings, with all of your energy? Do all of your actions point to a love of God? Are you honoring Him in all that you think, in all that you feel, in all that you do? Some of us here this morning, we need to repent of sin. 
We need to turn from the sin that's in our life because it's going to knock love of God off the top of our list. Sin holds us back from God. If you say, I love you, God, but I'm going to carry on in this sin. Well, we're not loving God with everything we have, are we? You need to repent. Do you love others as much as you love yourself? Do you think about them just as much? Do you literally think about other people as much as you think about yourself? Do you want to see other people succeed as much as you want to see yourself succeed? Are you just as happy to spend money on others as you are on yourself? Do you go out of your way to let people know that they are loved and cared for and appreciated? If we want our lives to be filled with love, we need to fix our focus on love as the highest of all callings in every moment, in every situation. You see, then when we align our lives, our actions, our attitudes to God's priorities, to having love for Him at the top and love for others at the top, in all things, His love will be present in our life. But for many of us here this morning, something else has taken the top spot. And so we need to realign our lives. We need to recenter love. For some of us, that means doing something new. So like putting your feelings into actions. But for some of us, that means not doing something. It means literally stopping doing something. Maybe it's taking a rest from all that you're doing and returning to your first love with the Father to rekindle your love. Love for God and love for your neighbor. While people's eyes are closed, this is not a salvation altar call, so chill out. I'm going to ask you to put your hands up, though. I'm going, to put your ha- I'm going to ask you to put your hands up if you want to commit to making a change this week so that what you learn on a Sunday changes what you do on a Monday. Normally, I would try and keep this to one thing. I'm going to be, I'm going to be very specific and ask you to lift your hand if you commit to making a change. And I'm going to, I'm going to outline what you could change this morning. Okay? So... Normally, I would keep it to one thing, but because Jesus did two, I'm going to do two for my one. I'm going to give you a pathway to loving God, and I'm going to give you a pathway to loving others as yourself. Okay, so if you want more love for the Father in your life, if that's what you need, if you want to return to your first love or come to Him for the first time, actually, can you just open your eyes and look at me for a second? If you realize like I realize that you're disconnected with the Father, if you realize that your spouse and yourself were disconnected, what, what would you do? If I realize that Kirstie's just my housemate, I think really practically I'd say, sweetie, let's, do, let's go on a date. Is that what you would do? That makes sense to me. Let's set up a date night so we can fall back in love with each other. So I'm going to ask you, we'll close our eyes in a sec and I'll get you to put your hands up. If you're disconnected with the Father, will you, will you do a date night this week? Will you set a time in your calendar, block it out and say, I'm going to just go and spend time with God, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's in a room on your own. You're just going to wait for Him. You're not going to be like, God, please let me hear your voice. Imagine if I went on a date with Kirsty. And we went out to a restaurant and we're sitting across from each other. And I say, Kirsty, I just want to hear you. I just want to be with you. She said, I'm right here. Yeah, I just want you to speak to me. I'm speaking to you right now. Chill out. Isn't it enough to just be in the presence of God, to just be with God? So that's the first thing. If you, if you want to 
rekindle your love with God, I'm going to ask you to make a date night with Him this week. Set aside a time in your calendar where you're going to spend some time with the Lord. The second thing is, if you want to rekindle your love for others as yourself, for your neighbor as yourself, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. And that is to think of one person and think of an act of kindness which you could do for them or to them this week. And if you can't think of somebody, here's, here's a challenge. I know that love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself doesn't literally only mean the person who lives next door to you. But that would be a good start, wouldn't it? Do you know who your neighbor is? Do you know their name? Do you know anything about them? Maybe you could do an act of kindness for them. Maybe you live in the country and they're a kilometer away. And you're thinking, I don't even know them. I reckon that kilometer would make your loving act even more loving. Whoa. So I'm going to ask you, if you want to rekindle your love for others this week, would you think of somebody and do an act of kindness? Why don't you close your eyes right now? I'm going to ask you to commit to that. If you're here and you want to rekindle your love with Christ, and you're going to do a date night this week, why don't you put your hand up right now and we'll pray for you. Fantastic. If you, if you want to rekindle your love for others and you're going to do an act of kindness this week to somebody, would you lift your hand right now? Awesome. Fantastic. Kirsty and I are planning a stairwell party. We're going to invite all the people in our apartment stairwell over. It's a work in progress. I'll let you know how it goes. Fantastic. Why don't you stand with me right now? Fantastic. If you lifted your hand, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven right now? I'm going to ask the band to come. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you that so many people here have committed to make a change this week. I thank you that we don't just look at your scripture and get bogged down into the details and try and figure out what is what. And we just want to take the message, God. Love you and love others. If we're not doing that, we want to put you back at the center of our life. So, Father, I pray that as people do that this week, that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully upon them. That people who are rekindling their love with you, that you would be right there with them. Holy Spirit, make yourself known to them again fresh. As people reach out with acts of kindness, I, I pray that love would flow out of them and love would flow into them, Father. I pray for new relationships being birthed. Thank you, God, that people are going to be touched by your children this week. Thank you, Lord. Fantastic. You can open your eyes. You can look up at me. We've got a little bit of time left. I'm going to do two things. We're going to pray for some people at the end to receive spiritual gifts because loving others the way that God loves them is much easier when you've got God's tools on the inside of you. So we're going to pray for people to receive spiritual gifts. But before we do that, there might be people here this morning, I don't know the condition of your heart, where you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to start that relationship this morning. Because every one of us, sooner or later, is going to die. We're going to breathe our last breath. And when we breathe our last breath, we're going to come face to face, moments later with the creator of this universe. And he's going to ask us one simple question. He's going to ask us, why should I let you into my kingdom? And you can come with all of your philosophies and your excuses and your reasons, but at the end of the day, he's actually going to, only going to accept one answer. And that answer is, because Jesus, I believe, made a way for me, and he lives in my heart. That's the answer that he'll accept. But maybe that's not true for you here this morning. You see, sin is what the Bible talks about. It's just things that miss the mark for, God, what, for what God wants for us. And sin separates us from God in this life and in the next life. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for all of our sins so that they wouldn't separate us anymore. 
And all that we need to do is accept the sacrifice which He gave and trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. If you already trust in Jesus for your salvation, you know what I'm talking about. Would you pray with me at this moment? If you don't know what salvation is, if you don't have salvation in your heart, then I'm talking to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you know that you're living apart from Jesus, then this is your moment to come back and connect with Him. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've been away and you want to reconnect this morning. He is just waiting for you to let Him in to your heart. He wants to live with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to walk with you. So would you close your eyes right now? If that's you, if you're far from God, if you don't have God in your heart, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, right now where you're standing, put your faith in Jesus. Believe that He died for you on the cross. Trust Him to forgive your sins. As soon as you do that, you're adopted into the family of God and you begin a personal and permanent relationship with God, with the God of the universe. Why don't you do that right now? We're going to pray together to reaffirm that newfound faith. But while everybody's eyes are closed, I just want to ask, if you're here this morning and you're trusting in Jesus for the first time, or you're returning to a faith that was lost, we're going to pray together. But would you make yourself known to me? Would you just raise your hand so I can see that you're trusting in Jesus for the first time today? If you're doing that, would you just put your hand up for me so I can see? Fantastic. Let's pray together. Let's pray together to welcome Jesus into every heart. Why don't we all pray together? Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. Was buried and rose again. I trust in him to forgive me for all my sins. I'm turning away from my old life and following you. I receive your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. That's so good. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, but you didn't want to put your hand up, would you just talk to somebody close to you after the service and say, that's what I did, because we want to help you follow Jesus. We want to help you in your journey. Fantastic. All right. Still standing. God is in this place. And he, I believe he wants to touch some lives this morning. We have some time left, so you, you just chill out. I'm going to pray for people to receive spiritual gifts. Because loving other people can be so helped by having God on the inside of you. And so I want to pray for some people and I'm going to list some spiritual gifts. And uh, if, you, if you can connect with this spiritual gift because you either have it or you want to have it, then I'm going to ask you to step forward on the altar. We're going to pray for each gift independently. We're not going to pray for all the gifts this morning. There are a bunch of gifts which, thank the Lord, are here. Uh, but we're not going to be praying for those. We're going to be praying specifically for the gifts which you can take this week, spend some time seeking God, seeking His face, seeking His voice, and use those gifts to love others. In 1 Timothy, Paul talks about how in the laying on of hands, spiritual gifts are imparted. Then in 2 Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want to remind you, fan into flames the gift which you first received when I laid hands on you. So you might have a gift this morning that God's already put on the inside of your heart, but you need to fan it into flames. What does that mean? It means give it breath of God. 
It means let God spend some time speaking to you about it, teaching you how to use it, and then actually go and practice your gift. Fantastic. All right. So the first gift I want to pray for is, is the gift of prophecy and of words of knowledge. Prophecy and words of knowledge are similar. Prophecy is when God speaks to you, maybe in images or words, for other people to encourage them. Words of knowledge sometimes are about the past uh, or about the present circumstances that God uses you to speak to somebody so that they can be encouraged or that they can be, have their faith boosted. So right now, I want to ask if you, if you have that gift or you would like that gift, would you step forwards to the altar and we're going to pray for you. If you're standing in the congregation, would you please reach your hands out to these people? I don't want to be just praying on my own. Why don't you pray with all your might that they're going to receive spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts are given for the building up and for the edification of the body of Christ. And so we thank you, Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in this place. Thank you that you are imparting fresh spiritual gifts on every heart. Thank you, Lord. Holy God. Come on, church. Let's, let's, let's rise in prayer. Rise in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to lay hands on all these people. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. God, a fresh impartation of your gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of words of knowledge. Thank you, Father that the words that leave these people's mouths, Father, would be encouraging, that they would build faith in the people that they talk to, that they would lift their eyes to see the Heavenly Father. We thank You, God, that as these people seek You in the private place, that You would speak words to them, Father, that You would encourage them for very specific situations, that they would be able to go to people with boldness and courage and say, the Lord spoke this word to me. And as these people step out in faith, Father, we thank You that your body of Christ, the church, would be built up and that people would be set free and come to the fullness of life in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now, thank you for a fresh impartation in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. You can be seated. We're going to move on. What I'm going to ask you to do at the end, if you come forward for prayer for one of these gifts, I don't want to scare anybody. It's cool. Um, I'm going to ask you at the end, to this week, make a date. Make a date night with God and figure out how am I going to use my gift this week? Why don't you seek God to say, God, if I have the gift of prophecy, give me a word. I want to fan my gift into flames. I want to be so burning hot that the, your spirit flows through me all the time. If you have a gift of healing or you want a gift of healing, you love to pray for healing Others come to you for prayer for healing and people receive healing when you pray for them. That's how you know. If you have a gift of healing or you want it, would you come forward right now? Thank you, Jesus. Some of the same people, some of you might have specific gifts. Church, I need you to be with me here and keep, keep your stamina up. Maybe you've got different gifts, uh, but um, you, they're going to come up later or not. And if they don't, then we thank you for your gifts. Heavenly Father, right now, Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you that healing power would be released upon this altar. Holy God, if you need, if you need a healing or you have somebody in your uh, family or friendship circle who needs healing, would you stretch out your hand right now and believe that God is going to bring healing to them and to their world? Thank you, Father. A fresh impartation of your Spirit, God. Thank you, God, that in these hands is healing power. We thank you that just as Jesus walked the earth and healed every person who He came across who needed healing, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here today and it empowers and imparts into every person so that we can too work your miracle power. Thank you, Jesus, for a fresh impartation. Receive it right now. Thank you, God. Fantastic. The next gift I want to pray for is evangelism. I said that before you went back to your seats because I know Marilla needs to stay here. <laughs> you love to lead others to Christ. 
and you're gifted in reaching out to unsaved people, or you have it on your heart, but you haven't made it yet. I'm believing that God's going to impart something into your world uh, like an ignition flame this morning, and then you're going to fan that flame, that, that spark into flames. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Holy God. Thank you, Father, for your heart upon these people. We thank you, God, that in the private place, every one of these people would call people out of darkness and into the light. We thank you, God, that in the public place, their words would be kind and gentle, but bold. We thank you, Lord, that they are going to bring people into your kingdom just by the way that they act and the way that they speak. Thank you, Father, for a fresh impartation right now, the spirit of evangelism, that souls would rest upon the hearts of each one of these people. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Impart a fresh spirit, God. Thank you, Lord. Right now, Father, as I stand on your altar, I pray that you would show them faces of people that you want them to reach out to this week. And we pray, God, that you would speak words of knowledge to them so that they can go and know exactly what to say and know exactly what to do. Fantastic. Awesome, God. If you have a servant's heart, if you have the gift of serving or helps and you love to do things in service of others, I think there's going to be a few of these. So why don't you just lift your hands up right now to heaven. Thank you, Father. Holy God, we thank you. This church is full of people who love to serve you. Right now, Jesus, we pray for the spiritual impartation of the gift of service, that it wouldn't just be people who are doing it because they think they should. But Father, we pray that you would put a heart on the inside of every person with their hands lifted, a heart to see your kingdom grown in the name of Jesus. So we thank you, God, that you are imparting right now fresh spirit over the people with the gift of service. We thank you, God, that as people serve, that your love would be seen and they would experience your love in return. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Fresh impartation. Thank you, Jesus. If you have the gift of giving, if you love to give to others or to resource the church, bless the church, and giving brings you joy, I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to ask you how much are you giving or can you up your giving because you've got the gift of giving. Come forward. And I'm believing that as you give, people's lives are going to be changed. God's kingdom is going to be grown because you're stepping out in faith and using your gift to change the lives of other people. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? A fresh spark right now, Jesus, for the gift of giving. We thank you, Lord, that people, these people would find joy in your giving. Thank you, Father, that as they give of their time and of their money and of their resources, we thank you, God, that you would pour more into their lives. Thank you, Father. We are blessed to be a blessing. We pray, God, that you would abundantly multiply the resources that these guys have. And as you do, that that would overflow and continue to overflow, that that gift would work miracles in this church, in the lives of other people, and in the, in, 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 in the church as a whole. Thank you, God. Holy God. So we pray for multiplication in their lives, and we thank you for faith growing as they give. And the last one I want to pray for is hospitality. If you have the gift of hospitality, if you love having people in your home, if you love making people feel warm and welcome, some people leaving the altar. Oh, I hate people having leave. I hate people having having them in my home. There is so much power in hospitality. You can make somebody feel warm and welcome, loved and cared for. Thank you, God. Why don't you close your eyes, lift your hands, get ready to receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would come in a fresh way. Church, pray with me.
I thank you, Father, that as these people exercise their gift of hospitality, that as they have others in their home, that we would see salvations in this house. Thank you, Father, that the broken, that the wounded would come into these houses that are represented or that they would meet them elsewhere. That would feel so warm and welcome that people would look at them and their hospitality and they would say to themselves on the inside, I have seen God. I have seen His warmth. I have seen His love. So right now, Father, I pray for an ignition or a fanning into a flames, a fresh impartation of the spirit of hospitality that these people would be able to exercise their gifts, Lord. Exercise their gifts in a way which shifts people. They come into the house one way and they come out of the house another way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Okay, fantastic. You can take your seats. But right now, if you came out the front or you lifted your hands for any spiritual gift, would you just lift your hands to heaven and get ready to receive? Thank you, Father. We can't exhale what we don't inhale. So right now, God, we want to do these things by your Spirit. We want to do it by our connection with you, not in our own strength. So right now, Father, we just breathe in your Spirit. We ask that you come and fill us again. And in all that we do, we have your power in us and working through us. Thank you, Father. Fantastic. I'm going to challenge you now, the third challenge of the morning. If you, if you have received a spiritual gift or you've uh, had fresh fire on that spiritual gift here this morning, I want to challenge you. This week, figure out a way. Go and ask God, how, how can I, God, I want to love other people. How can, I, how can I use my gift? Who do you want me to use my gift on? Where do you want me to use it? In what way? Why don't you do that? And I believe that as we do that, my goodness, people come alive with spiritual gifts, then we're going to see a great transformation. Fantastic.